Hi, Peter Borker here. Welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now, joining me in Atlanta is our keynote speaker from the Scale Up Summit. Actually, I opened up the Scale Up Summit, Steve Martin. Not Steve Martin, the actor, but Steve Martin, the author. Hey, Peter. Welcome, Welcome Steve. Thank you for coming. Good to meet you. Now, Steve is the author of a book called Messenger, which is not out yet, though, is it? It's not out until September in the United Kingdom. That's right. So tell us about the book. Well, uh, maybe I can ask you a question to begin with. Yeah. Kind of sets the scene. So have you ever had that situation where you've had an idea um, and you've maybe gone to the office or you've spoken to a, a few colleagues about your idea and they've looked at you and they've kind of gone, yeah, I'm not really sure about that, Peter. And then a couple of weeks later, someone else comes along maybe from a different department or worse still an outside consultancy and they essentially present the same idea that you presented to your colleagues who suddenly all of a sudden think wow that's a great idea and you know the idea that they were dismissing as having any relevance just a week or two ago is suddenly the best idea since sliced bread yes i can relate to that that's happened to me in the past but more funnily enough it's happened to my clients quite a lot. It does. It happens to a lot. Uh, it happens a lot to all of us in, in, in business. We think we have a good idea. We present it. And it kind of receives at best a lukewarm reception. And then someone else comes along and uh, perhaps a competitor, as I said, and, and delivers the same thing. And, and suddenly everything is embracing the idea. And, and that's essentially what I'm describing as a messenger effect. Um, the idea that very frequently in life, not just in business, but in, in, in life more generally, we are paying attention more to who is saying something as opposed to paying attention to the merits of what's actually been said. And it was something that a colleague uh, and I, uh, so Joseph Marks, who's a, a PhD researcher at, at University College London, uh, a few years ago we started talking about it and we started to explore this idea of, well, sometimes who is saying something matters more than what is actually being mm. said. And, and we found that there was this incredible depth and breadth of research from the social sciences that helped us to kind of start to identify some of the traits that most reliably inform people whether or not they should listen to someone or not. And so if you have a, a situation where you have a message that you want to deliver, uh, recognizing who the best messenger is to deliver that message uh, or the traits that someone is most likely to pay attention to to decide whether to believe it or not, act on it or not, listen or not, uh, is the essence of the book. And you know what, that is a big challenge for so many of my CEOs that I happen to be coaching that they get ultimately really pissed off when they try to deliver a message yeah. and they never get that message through and they just think that people are either ignoring them and they try to deliver it again, and again, and again, and by the time the third or fourth time comes and it isn't sinking in, they kind of lose heart and yeah. they give up. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you've, you've described beautifully that insight from the persuasion sciences more generally, which is sometimes we might have the best message and we may have actually crafted that message, maybe our idea, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're the right messenger to deliver that message. Um, and so I think there's a, 
there's a kind of dual aspect to a, a successful communication here. One, clearly, understanding how we make our message a compelling one, but equally paying attention to who would be the best person or entity to actually deliver that message. And for a lot of CEOs out there, I mean, this is a challenge because if they're leading their business, they want to be seen as leading their mm -hmm. business. They believe that they're the best person. And I think this is going to be quite a new concept to them that perhaps they don't have to deliver the message themselves. No, well, in fact, there's lots of examples in everyday life where um, we may have crafted the message, but we're not necessarily the person that actually delivers it. So, you know, a lot of uh, organizations will use public relations firms to deliver their message. You know, lawyers acting on behalf of their clients will deliver messages. You know, sparring couples in divorce scenarios have uh, their messages to each other delivered by a different message. E even school children, you know, they, they'll send their friends out uh, to kind of like put feelers out for the boys and girls that they like in class. All of these are messenger effects and they describe this idea that um, sometimes the most important characteristic of whether something gets listened to or not is who is delivering the message, not necessarily what's being said. So in your book you cover this. Yeah. So when we talk about and our audience is going to be mainly sort of the business owners out there. Mm. What's the best advice you can give them in terms of when they communicate with people, how to choose the right messenger? Well, I think the first thing to think about is what are the traits that reliably help audiences decide whether or not they should listen in the first place? And you know, the research that Joe and I have conducted suggests that there are two broad types of messenger. So we talk about hard messengers, and soft messengers and, and to make that distinction. The hard messenger is an individual or a group or an entity that largely has some form of status in the eyes of the audience that they're communicating to. And so they are able to arrange for their message to be most likely listened to because their audience see them having some sort of status, as having some sort of status. But that's not always the case. So in contrast, there are soft messenger traits, and, and these are messengers that are able to signal some connectedness that they have with their audience. So um, we call these soft messengers, and, and their audiences most likely listen to them because of that connectedness. And within each of these two broad frameworks of hard messengers and soft messengers, we've identified four traits for each. Um, so in the hard messenger effects, um, someone with social economic position, i.e. they're rich and famous, is mm -hmm. more likely to be listened to. Someone who is competent, you know, has expertise and training, has some instrumental value that they can provide to their audience is more likely to be listened to. Uh, there are hard messengers that are dominant, you know, these are the kind of people that seek to just win every game, win every competition. The Donald, for example. Well, uh, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> and finally, there are messengers who are just attractive. They, 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 uh, they have mate value to, to their audiences. And so we describe in the book uh, messengers who we listen to, who we don't know why, uh, these four fundamental hard traits. Uh, but then we describe these four soft traits. So we don't just listen to messengers that are dispositionally dominant or rich and famous or expert or just beautiful. We also listen to messengers who have warmth, who convey some vulnerability, who are trustworthy. Mm. 
uh, or are charismatic. And those are the kind of soft effects. And so we describe each of these effects in turn, Peter. But I think what's really interesting is the kind of interplay between these. You know, so if you're a, a communicator in business, if you're leading an organization, when are the situations where a dominant messenger is more likely to be preferred? And where and when are those situations where you know a softer, warmer messenger or a vulnerable messenger might even be preferred? And so understanding how these different traits work and operate and the interplay between them. And they all have their time and place, right? They do all have their time and place. You're exactly right about that. Okay. And this is probably for my for my sort of experience, it's probably been one of the toughest areas for leadership teams to really master. Because leadership teams tend to in many respects have that sort of high ego because they're high performing people and it is like a communication nightmare. Where actually if they could learn to be more strategic with the delivery of messages, as you've said, and actually choose the right person for the right message, mm. it could have a profound impact on any business. Yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. And so, you know, one of the one of the one of the examples is that, you know, we know for example that in a situation of uncertainty or, or crisis even, um, and this doesn't just apply to to the business landscape, this applies to the political landscape as well, that under those circumstances of, of crises, of something needs to be done to address this problem, the harder, more dominant messenger is, is likely to be more inclined to be listened to in that instance because people are looking for some certainty, some direction. So that's the domain of the, the dominant messenger. Of course, in contrast, if things are going pretty well and you know it's a calm climate and, and you know we're reasonably happy with the way things are going, that dominant messenger can be uh, quite corrosive to the environment and the culture in that instance and, and actually have a negative effect. And, and in those instances, a warmer, more approachable, perhaps charismatic messenger um, is probably more likely to be listened to. And so I think you're right, recognizing the context and the environment that our business is in or the situation we face ourselves at, at a given moment in time does have a, a significant influence over the messengers that are most likely to be listened to in those contexts. Yeah, I mean, this is for me is a really important topic. And at the end of the day, we're not going to cover everything today. Now, for those people that are tuning in today, if they want to explore this a bit more deeper, where do they go? Well, there's the book, of course, uh, Messengers, Who We Listen To, Which, Who We Don't, and Why. So that can be pre-ordered now? We can pre-order that now um, uh, via the usual channels, and it comes out in September. Okay. There's also a website that's going to be live soon, uh, messengersthebook.com where you'll be able to start reading the first introductory chapters of the book. But additionally, there's a survey that you can actually take, uh, okay. and you'll be able to determine the type of messenger that, or messenger trait that you prefer to adopt, and, and perhaps even might be a nice exercise for your teams to do a similar thing. So you can you know, get, a, get a sense of the, the different messenger traits and characteristics in, in a particular management team or a leadership team or, or a group more, uh, more generally. And, and that can provide, I think, really useful insight for good debates. 
and help to start to identify you know, who might be a good messenger in, in a particular context to deliver certain messages. So there's two immediate things that can be done. Now the actual survey itself, is it paper survey, is it a free survey? This is a free survey and can be conducted online and one of my, my team, uh, Eloise Copland, who's a, a brilliant behavioural scientist in her own right from uh, Oxford and University College London, has, has developed that uh, along with other members of my team. So that's free to do, uh, so you can get those insights straight away. So check out the link. I would highly recommend. It's free. Do the test. You'll learn a lot from it. And if there was one thing that you would urge entrepreneurs to do, what would it be? Well, one of the things we've looked at across these eight traits for hard, for soft is, is there one that seems to kind of rise in prominence more often than not compared to the others. And it does seem to be the case that um, the trustworthy messenger uh, seems to uh, be an especially effective communicator uh, for, for obvious reasons. Um, now, one of the things we've got to recognize here is, is that there's a difference between being a trustworthy messenger and a truthful messenger. Those, those two things are different contexts and sometimes people mix those things up. But, but generally, what audiences like, I think, is, is certainty, an ability to predict what someone is going to do, how someone is going to serve, how someone is going to you know, communicate or you know, deliver on a promise. And, and trustworthiness is really, really important. It's very, very hard to have long-term relationships, you know, uh, good open communications, effective negotiations, unless we have that trustworthiness. And so um, that's perhaps one of the chapters that's especially uh, I think going to be interesting to, to this kind of audience. And I think what you need to do is mail it to our government. Both parties can actually <laughs> do with they can do with actually going through that chapter. Indeed. Now, if what we've talked about today resonates, especially about one's ability to get the message through, if you're struggling to get your message through to your team, to your fellow sort of management colleagues, and you want to explore further. How you can change it in your business, how you can make it work, head over to borka.com and get in touch. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail.